Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. the great missionary statesman was offered by President Calvin Coolidge the ambassadorship to Japan in the mid-1920s. He said, Mr. President, since God called me as a student to be an ambassador of his, my ears have been deaf, deaf to all other calls. When the Standard Oil Company was looking in the Far East for a man to represent them, they offered John Mott, the same man, uh, the job at an impressive salary at that time of $10,000. This is in the uh, early 1900s. He said he turned it down, and then they offered him $25,000. He once again turned it down. He was then offered the exorbitant salary of $50,000, and he turned it down. The Standard Oil executives asked him, what's wrong? Oh, your price is all right, Mr. Mott replied. But your job is too small. God has called me to be his missionary. Oh, your price is okay. Your job is too small. God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is at work where? How could he turn down what seemed like such a big opportunity? Because he understood that God's work was far greater. He understood that. The work of God in this hour, in the lives of men, must be, must be accomplished through those who have faith. Kenneth Hagin had a prophecy concerning this time. He said, the end of the age has come upon this generation. The powers of darkness, the forces are evil, are rampant as never before, and they will be increased in intensity and velocity. And even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, oh, there is no use. Throw up their hands in futility and say, well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly because the devil is about to take over everything. But thus saith the Lord, in this day, I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness. And light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free. And prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. The Spirit of God is saying just ahead in the realm of the Spirit. There are some great and glorious things. In fact, all of these adjectives do not nearly describe. They do not even begin. It's just the tip of what is to take place. But what cannot take place without you as an individual taking your place in the arena and in the realm of prayer. And without a good part of the body of believers, all will not necessarily do it. But there must be many that will be faithful. Some will not be faithful. But without a good part of the body of believers taking their place and uh, part and place in prayer uh, for you to at this at this time see God has great things marvelous things wonderful things things that will happen in the spirit realm that will manifest in the seen realm things beyond the comprehension of most 
I said, this is our day. God is at work in you. In you. You must understand, Romans 13 says, it is knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The Message Bible, I like this. This is so good. Make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. That, I like that because when he says um, it's high time to awake out of sleep, he helps you to understand what he means by that. That you are in a, a world where if you become so absorbed and exhausted in all the daily things, obligations he calls it, you will doze off oblivious to God. And you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but you don't really know you're asleep. Until you wake up. You don't even know you're asleep. Until all of a sudden you wake up. Have you ever done that? I did that this morning. I thought, oh, I looked at the clock and I'd gone to bed at almost two because we have some, you know, long-winded preacher friends. No, I'm joking. I'm talking about it. And, and it wasn't their fault. I got home. I just couldn't go to sleep. And... Uh, and then I saw I woke up and it was about six and I thought, oh, I just really want to go back to sleep. I wish I could go back to sleep. Thank you, Lord. You give me sweet sleep. And then the next time I looked at the clock, it was 830. I thought, I didn't even know I went to sleep. <laughs> oh, but now I'm awake. I realized I must have gone to sleep. But that's the way it is with the word of God and the things of God. You don't even know you're asleep until the light of his word and his presence begins to wake you up. And then all of a sudden you realize, man, I was asleep. But it's a wake-up call in Ephesians 5 when he says uh, uh, to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because if you back up to verse 14, he says, awake, O sleeper. And he's not talking to the, uh, uh, you know, unbeliever. He's talking to the Christian. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I like how the Message Bible says it this time again. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffin. Christ will give you light. It's like he says, you're not dead, but you look like you're dead. Climb out of your coffin. You're not dead, but you act like you're dead. Spiritually dead, he's talking about. He's saying, wake up. You say, what, what does he mean? Climb out. Quit acting like you're dead. Quit talking like you're dead. Quit walking like you're dead. Quit looking like you're dead. Act like you're alive. Act like you're free. Act like you're alive in Christ. Act like you've been delivered. Act like it. And that's waking up. That's waking up. All of a sudden, you go, wake up from your sleep. Arise from the dead. Climb out of your coffin. And the, it's like, it's all, remember what I said? Well, you always, obedience is always connected. Something you do and something God does. Even in Isaiah 60, he says, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But before the glory of the Lord shines upon you, 
You got to get up. You got to rise up. Brighten up. Begin to think about the things God has done. Act like you're alive from, and you're free from the bondage of death, hell, and the grave. Act like you've been delivered from every power, every work of darkness. Act like you say, oh, I don't want to just put on an act. Oh, the Bible says put on the new life. Put on the new clothes of the new life. Ephesians 4. Put on the new man. How many of you know that means you got to put on the garment of praise? You say, well, if God wants me to do it, I'll just do it. No, God wants it for you. But you got to, by faith, activate what God has done. It's a supernatural work, but you'll never know it until all of a sudden, instead of sitting back and letting yourself be absorbed by what the world says about you and how the world thinks about you, you begin to be absorbed by how God thinks about you. I'm talking to you about God being at work in you. Listen, the word of God is, this is the time. This is the day. This is our day to believe God. Um, I, I wrote this. I, I gave you one quote last night of Hudson Taylor's, but I like this one too. Many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources. Remember, he was the one that said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I'd ask him if I might help him. I ended up asking for him, let him do his work through me. He said this, many Christians estimate difficulties in light of their own resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little they attempt. All of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and his presence within them. Now listen, I know what the Bible says. I know what, listen, you wonder why some men withstood and took uh, 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 what the world would consider such abuse and rejection that it would just, you know, some of us, if, you know, just our, our refrigerator breaks down, we're ready to thrive going to church. <laughs> My refrigerator broke down once. It wasn't fun. But <laughs> I was in this meeting with maybe where the pastor was talking about somebody's refrigerator breaking down, and some woman in the meeting went, oh, glory to God. And he said, he looked, he said, the Lord told me. To buy you a new refrigerator. And she stood up and went, glory to God, because her refrigerator had broken down. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that meeting. I don't know if I do. Anyway, so all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence with them. With him, with them. Hallelujah. So I want to show you through the word of God how this is accomplished. Because see, the word of God is the story of men and women who by faith reckoned on his presence and his power within them. They're not great men. They're men, weak men, people just like you. Elijah was a man with a nature just like yours. Just like you. But he prayed. And when he prayed, 
If you read the story, you would know he didn't just pray, but when his servant came back the seventh time and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I don't know if you've ever seen a, uh, you know, a, a, a deluge, a, a, you know, what do you call it when you have a flood with a, a cloud the size of a man's hand? But the Bible says that Elijah, that this is how he prayed, and he didn't just pray, he moved like he believed what he was was praying because of what God had said and he said God I reckon on your presence and your strength within with me to accomplish what you said and the Bible says the minute his servant said I see a cloud the size of a man's head he picked up his skirt and he started running and he said go tell Ahab the flood's coming it's coming I hear the sound of the abundance of rain It hadn't rained one drop, but he said, I hear it. What was he doing? He was reckoning on God's presence and his power to work within him. Through faith, we understand Hebrews 11.3 says that the worlds are framed by the word of God. Literally, the Bible says the worlds or specific times are remade, repaired, restored by the word of God. And Hebrews 11 goes on and tells us how men and women reckoned on God's presence with them and his power, weak men. In fact, it says how that in Hebrews 11 verse 32, as he's taking a pause in telling you, by faith Noah built a boat in the middle of dry ground. He built a boat in the middle of dry ground. He just loves boats. It was dry. They thought he was crazy. But he reckoned on God's great promise. And he said, I believe it. And God, I not only believe it, I believe that you are at work in me. And I'll be one of those who will go on record as saying, I'm not ashamed of the word of God. And literally the saving plan of God was accomplished through a man who built a boat in the middle of dry ground. He goes on, he tells more, but then he gets to verse 32 and he says, how much more do I need to say? All preachers want to know how much more can I say? (laughs) How much more can I say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith. These are stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets by faith. These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. I love this. Their weakness was turned into strength. All of God's men, not great men, weak men who reckoned on God's greatness. All, the Bible says, their weakness was turned into strength. They didn't start off strong. 
they became strong. He says on, they became strong in battle. This is Hebrews eleven thirty four. It's either the NIV or I'm sorry, I didn't write my translation down, but you can probably find it. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Woo! They became strong in battle. Who were they? They were weak, mere men who reckoned on the promise of God. And by his promise, they became strong in battle. They were valiant. They put, the Bible says, they overthrew kingdoms, received, received what God had promised them. So you see, that's what happens You go from being weak in your ability to being strong in God's ability. And you do that because you receive what God has promised. How did they, the Bible says that he gives some of these names, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Literally, we know some of these guys' stories, but I don't know if you've ever realized it or not, but most of them were living in the time when it says, the Bible describes it in Judges chapter 2, verse 10 in the Message Bible. It was a time when uh, a generation had died and was buried, the people of Israel that had served God during the lifetime of Joshua and those who had, as Joshua 24, 31 says, those who had personally experienced all the Lord had done for Israel. A generation grew up uh, and uh, had died that had personally experienced all that God had done for Israel. But now this generation has died. And now the Bible says in Judges 2 verse 10 that that entire generation was dead and buried and another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. In one generation, in one generation, they went from walking across on dry ground, shouting the walls down, Literally, walls came down with a shout. Time stood still. Stood still. They're fighting. And God said, you need more time. I think I'll just turn back time. And that's exactly what he did. But now this generation has died. And another generation has arisen. That has not experienced. The Bible says. Has no experience. They didn't know anything of God. Or the work he had done for Israel. Literally. It was. Here they are. It says two times in Judges. 17.6 and 21.25. At this time. There was no king in Israel. And people did. Whatever they felt like doing. I think I just turned on CNN news. You say, what happened to cause that to happen? A generation died that knew the move of God. 
And now a generation had arisen that did not know God. They forgot about God. You could say they were asleep. And they were now in a position where they were being ruled by men who did not and were not aware of God. And the Bible says, Woo, some of these guys that are talked about in Hebrews 11, one of them's name is Gideon in Judges chapter 6, and he's hiding because he is, uh, 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 you know, trying to just stay alive because the enemy of God, they're coming in, and they're, if they plant crops, they take their seed out because, see, they didn't want them to have a harvest because you could say it like this. The devil's not really after your past. He's after your future he's just messing with you about your past because he wants to use your past to define your future but don't let your past hold you from what God has called you to because God's not looking at your past he's looking at the work of God in Christ and he says whatever is possible through the work of the cross is possible with the one who has been redeemed by that same work he makes all things new. So you just sometimes have to get up in the middle of the night and say, I do. Shut up, devil. You say, you tell you that like Brother Hagin said, someone told him once, you better not talk like that. You know, you, he might hear you. I like what he said. He said, I said it for his benefit. I said it. That's exactly the one. That's the very dude I wanted to hear me. You see, the devil is under my feet. But it's my job to make sure he knows that I know that. Oh, yes, it's my job to make sure he knows that I know that. Because he's not going to tell you. No, he's not going to tell you. And if you shut up, he keeps talking. He's a yapper and he won't stop. 24 hours, no, no, all the fake news, it's all fake news. <laughs> no, I said he's something else. He said, so, I got to move on here. So here it was, Gideon's hiding from the enemy, but he has a visitation from the angel of the Lord. Ooh, remember, you got twice as much help from God as you got any working against the will of God. There's twice as many angels as there are devils. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. You got more on your side than he's got with that against you. Just, just if you get the opportunity, just make sure you embarrass him before he tries to embarrass you. And so yeah, he gets a visitation from God, from an angel of the Lord. And the Midianites who are trying to keep them living in these uh, places where their lives are just hidden in dark corners and there's no real definition of who they are. The devil doesn't care if you love Jesus. He just doesn't want nobody to know it because when they find out about it, the very light that is shining in you begins to turn on the light for them and all of a sudden they wake up wait a minute wait a minute 
And the Bible says that as the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, he says, he, he, he tells him where, where it was here in verse 11. He came to Gideon and it says the angel of the Lord said to him in verse 12, remember, now I want you to see, because remember what Hebrews 11 said? Speaking of Gideon as one of them, their weakness was turned into strength. They received what God said. How did they do that? This is, this is the story of how Gideon did that. The Bible says that he, the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, the, verse 12 of Judges 6, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Listen, the New Living Translation says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, Gideon. Listen to this. He says, the Lord is with you, the Amplified Bible. You mighty man of fearless courage. Gideon is hiding. And the angel of the Lord comes. Now Gideon's got to choose. I mean, he's hiding. The Midianites are out to destroy him, keep him buried. I mean, just stay in your pit, Gideon. And the angel of the Lord comes into that pit and says, you have fearless courage. Watch this conversation. Now watch this conversation. It says that Gideon says to the Lord, oh, oh, I can't go. I can't do all that. Sir, uh, sir, verse 13. I was skipping some notes. Aren't y'all glad? Sir, Gideon replied, listen to this. He said, the Lord is with you. Remember what Hudson Taylor said? All of the great men that God has used, were, they were all weak men who reckoned on God's greatness, his presence, his power to be with them. The angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you. He's talking to Gideon, mighty man of fearless courage. And the Bible says in verse 13, Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? This is what, I, when I was reading this one time, I heard this. You know, Gideon basically said, I've heard the stories, but I don't have a story. I've heard the stories. But I don't have a story. Now watch this. Because remember, this is how it started. The Lord is with you, Gideon. The Lord is with you. And Gideon is saying, but what about all this that has happened, hasn't happened? I mean, what about all of this? The stories, the Lord, uh, how he talked about delivering, restoring, and redeeming us from the hand of our enemies. Here he is talking to people. I like it what, uh, when I read on a story of revival, men, uh, a man who was talking to someone who inv were involved in the Hebrides revival, and they would answer directly every question until he asked them, what was it like in which they would stammer and begin to look in the face of someone who had been there and was someone who was there with them because they knew unless you had experienced it you were just hearing a story but they weren't just telling a story they were the story and I can sense it today that there are men and women looking around. Is there anybody who can, I look in their face and they don't just hear a story, they are the story. 
And God is trying to get Gideon, watch this, to move out of his weakness into the promise of God for a day to turn things around. When people have forgotten about God, when they're doing whatever, their life is defined by whatever they feel or think. They have lost, the Bible says, where there is no vision, no light. People lose hope. People run wild. They have no saving power. Where there's no redemptive revelation, people run wild. They do whatever they think is right. And the only problem is, however you think you are, the problem is you didn't make you so you really can't define you unless you understand you are a created being and God has created you in Christ Jesus to a new life with new hope with new power with new strength and as you allow him to say God is with you you mighty man of fearless courage. How are you going to turn this from you being in your hole? I'm sure he didn't have a plaque on his wall that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you just don't say what he said if you got that plaque on your wall. He needed to redecorate. Maybe you do too. Because you can go from being the weak man to the man who the Bible says exactly like this. Every generation must have someone who doesn't just hear the story but has the story. When, when Gideon asks, where are the miracles? He's asking, where are you, God? Where, are the, where, are the, 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 where is your presence? Where is your, uh, your power in this hour? In verse 14, when the, he said this, the Lord turns to Gideon and he says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Ooh, God said, Gideon said, there's nobody. There's nobody to help us. There's nobody to rescue us. There's nobody to get us out of the mess we're in. And the angel of the Lord said, Gideon, get up and go wake up and look up because I am sending you he said Gideon tag you're it he said it's time Gideon you want to know how Moses got the, the slaves out of Egypt? He didn't get them out because he did not require perseverance and faith. He got them out because he went back to Pharaoh. And every time Pharaoh said no, Abraham said, wrong answer. I'm sorry, every time Pharaoh said no, Moses said, just check to see if you were, answer, if you were listening. Moses said, wrong answer. Every time. You say, why was that? Because he had already heard the yes from God. And the way he went from being a weak, fearful nobody on the backside of the desert 
to a man who would stand in the face of the rulers of his day was because he said, I believe that God has a plan this hour and I believe I am someone who has a part in his plan. And Gideon, when God said, when the angel of the Lord said, I am sending you, and Gideon said, how can I rescue Israel? I am the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I am least in my entire family. I want you to understand, God, Gideon was considering his resources, but God was not considering Gideon's resources. He was considering what Gideon would be as he believed what God could do as he worked in him. And Gideon was a nobody. Do you understand? He was a nobody. He was nobody but someone who climbed out of his hole. And the Bible says he went and he confronted the uh, 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 idol of Baal that was in the middle of the city. And literally he pushed it over. And he so was filled. Now listen, Gideon was not perfect. He was like, I don't know if I can do this. And God said, I know. I don't know if you can do it either. But I know I can do it. And if you'll go, I'll do it through you. And the Bible says that Gideon's name was changed to Jerubel, which literally means someone who will contend with Baal. Literally. Go. You're waiting for a story. You are the story. You're waiting for a move of God. You are the move of God. Gideon. Now listen. Because we think that all that will ever be told about us is where we missed it. And there might be a place where that's all that will ever be told of you. But that's not where you got to live if you're going to do the will of God. The Bible says, remember, it wasn't just Gideon that was mentioned. I'm just one more. Remember Samson? How many of y'all remember Samson? How many of y'all know what happened with Samson? Samson got deceived by a girl named Delilah. And Delilah was uh, really, she had a, uh, 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 she, she she was trying to get the source of Samson's strength. Because she had a, a payback coming from the Philistines if she'd find out the answer. Three times she tried it on the third time. I mean, you know, I don't know who you're hanging around with. But if they're trying to steal your strength that God's given you in some way, I'm just telling you, you might want to think about who you're hanging with. And so uh, 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 Samson, the Bible says... Because of this deception, the Philistines shaved his head, which the source he was a Nazarene, so the source of Nazarite, I'm sorry, the source of his strength was uh, an outward, that outward evidence of that. Uh, It was literally, it wasn't, I mean, he didn't go to the gym every day. He was strong with the supernatural ability of God. But his hair not being uh, cut was an outward sign of his total dependence upon God. To strengthen him. That was the source. And the Bible says that they shaved his head. They gouged out his eyes. 
And they put him on one of those things where he's, he's, shred, he's you know, uh, going around in a circle and, and uh, treading grain. And the Bible says they did this because um, they, wanted to, uh, uh, they, they, they wanted to diminish his strength publicly. And it really wasn't his strength. It was the one who strengthened him. They wanted to show that God is not using Samson. God's not using anybody. He can't do nothing. We can do whatever we want to do. God cannot deliver and God cannot save. But the Bible says that Samson, now watch this, Samson is in the temple and he is, all the Philistines are there and they're all, and they're watching him and they're amusing themselves, they're making fun of him. No, no, it's not, you know, they're making fun of him because they're just trying to make fun of God. But the Bible says in Judges chapter 16, verse 22, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. I love that scripture. But I can just imagine. Here is Sam. He can't see because his eyes are gouged out. But can you imagine that one day Samson chained up? It looks like it's over. It's over. Samson, your life is over. But he feels his head and his hair is growing. His hair is growing. And he knows that if his hair is growing, that means he could become strong again. And the Bible says that Samson prays. And he says to them, he, he says, Oh Lord, in, in uh, Judges 16, verse uh, 28, Samson prays to the Lord. He says, Oh Lord, remember me again oh God please strengthen me one more time and the Bible says that when he prayed that with one blow the Bible says he put his two hands on the center pillars he pushed against them and literally the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and in one day he did more to accomplish the delivering power of God over all of the enemies in one day he did more than he had done in his whole lifetime and when we get over to Hebrews 11, we don't read one word about Delilah. Not one word by faith. They became strong. They became strong. People like Gideon, Jephthah, David, Samson. He's right there by King David. His hair grew again. You want me to tell you a real good story? We have a new puppy named Samson. Real quick, I'll tell it real quick. Okay, our dog Champ, Champion, went to heaven last year. <laughs> we love our dog. We don't worship our animals. We love people more than animals, but we loved our dog. And it was a hard time. And my hairdresser, who has been fr friends with us for like 30 plus years, uh, she has a daughter who had a little puppy 
there, and, and only one puppy survived of the litter, and she nursed him back to health. And she said, Mama, I found out, I heard that Cindy and Lois's dog, uh, you know, was, had, her mom told her, and she said, if they want my puppy, they can have my puppy. I, I'll save it for them. It was a real, uh, so anyway, Cindy wasn't sure, and we were praying, and, and uh, uh, so we were in the airport, and Cindy said, well, if I knew what his name was, it would help me when I look at him if I know that's my dog. So anyway, I said, well, what about Samson? How about we call him Samson? Because she said, I wanted something that when I tell people my dog's name, I can tell them, you know, Samson, the man God restored his life. And in his last day, you know, I said, what about Samson? Because everybody always thinks about his worst days. But you know, Samson's worst days were not his last days. God did more in one day than he'd done in his whole life. And he was in Hebrews 11 and Delilah is not even mentioned. And so Cindy said, you know what? I think that's it. Well, so to make a long story a little longer, I talked to her mama and I told her that we were going to call him Samson. I told her why, because, you know, his worst days were not his last days. Well, see, she didn't tell her daughter, but see, her daughter had made some bad choices in life had some things that had just gone wrong. It looked like, you know, she just wouldn't recover. She was going to have to live on public assistance her whole life. And she just, you know, it looks like her life was over. But God began to restore her life. And her life is just being so marvelously restored. I mean, transformed. The man that she's married to, he loves her two kids. He's adopting them as her own. And, and it's, pardon me? His own, okay. And, and I mean, just wonderfully restored. So anyway, I said all that to say, her mama didn't tell her what we named him. She said, I, 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 we were on the phone with her, and Cindy said, yeah, we know his name. And she said, well, I, I, my mom won't tell me what his name is. She wanted you to tell me. And so she got Cindy. I got on the phone with her, and I told her, well, I said, we're going to call him Samson. And when I said that, that little girl started visibly, I mean, just broke down, crying. And she said, oh, Lois. She said, when my mama told me you had a name for him, hung up the phone, I looked at him, and I said, you're my Samson. And she told her two kids, she said, let's call him Samson and see if that fits. And to her, it was a witness to her. Because, see, she kind of thought, like, you know, you guys, you've never messed up. I mean, you know, God's doing good. That's what she thinks. You know, God's doing good things, and, you know, you're so good. You know, you're so great. We're not so great. We're just dependent on his greatness. But she thought that. And so to her, it was like, you mean he said the same thing to me? He can still use me. And I said, yeah, remember Samson? His hair began to grow again. And literally, I mean, it was just a little dog's name. But it was a story. It's her story. She didn't just hear the story. She is the story. Oh, glory to God. Father, we thank you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.